0: A priest, his brother, and a married guy walk into a podcast to discover the deepest truths of our day. If you're a seeker of ancient wisdom, interdimensional museums, and the Baltimore Catechism,
1: then this is not the show for you. You're listening to the Untitled Catholic Podcast.
0: And it starts right now.
1: And this is the Untitled Catholic Podcast, episode 50-something. Seven. I don't remember what episode it is. And we have a special guest with us. Father Eric, this is the first time we're ever meeting, and it's over Google Hangout with Father Sean and Nolan. Thank you for coming.
0: Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you, guys.
1: Now, I'm just going to ask, you already said it, but I'm going to ask you again. How
0: are you? Uh, pretty good. Um, you know, it, like, like we were talking about a moment ago, it is a hard question to answer. Um, you know, I, I I, think I'm seeing a lot of blessings in this, and I know a lot of people who have gotten sick and have been recovered. Um, and for that, I'm very grateful. Um, but overall, you know, I, I am okay and I'm, I'm good and I'm seeing a lot of blessings uh, the past month.
1: But Father Sean, you said you had a great day the other day?
0: Yeah, it was actually just like a really
1: good day. I got outside. I talked to some people I hadn't talked to in a while. It was, it was, uh, it was nice out. It was, it was, e- it's easy. To, it, these days are easier when it's nice out. It's pouring right now. So it's like I don't know if I'm going to be able to get outside
2: today. It's amazing that is, that, what a difference like the nice weather makes.
1: Yeah, it makes all the difference in the world. See, it's beautiful where I am and I think everything's going to end next week and then when it <laughs> rains, I think everything's going to end 2024. So I just read an article that the governor of Tennessee is going to be lifting restrictions by the end of the month. By the end of the month, but that that well yeah, it'll be it'll be good. So there's some hope for you. There is some hope. I I might be able to go to more than just Trader Joe's and Home. <laughs> you could get a haircut. I could get a haircut. Although yeah, Megan is not that. I'm not saying you need size. a haircut. I'm just saying that you will have the capability to get
0: a haircut. Yes, and I I am friends with my barber. Speaking of hairs cut, Nolan, this is looking sharp, man. That's you look good with the uh, the beardless there. I, I know.
2: I had to do it. but it's funny though because every time so so the only people aside from my immediate family that have seen it are people that I've like zoomed with or facetimed with and they just assume it's like a a coronavirus response but it wasn't it was a it was a it was a Easter Sunday thing I I was planning for months (laughs) <laughs> and had and had no effect whatsoever. And then the coronavirus took your took away your thunder. Yeah, that
0: was amongst my top five searches. Should I shave my beard to prevent corona infection? <laughs> 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 yeah, some people say
1: yes. Some people say no. The the answer should be no one knows. Yeah.
0: I didn't see enough warrant to to shave based on uh the top two Google searches I clicked on. Yeah, if, if I'll, I'll try yeah. and call I'll try and call Dr. Fauci, I was say, if Fauci
2: says it, then I would shave it. But if not, yeah. I think you're good <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: to go back to something that Justin talked about last week. I watched that. Uh, I watched six minutes of the, the Fauci conspiracy theory that you sent me that video within the first six minutes. I already found four problems with what the guy was saying. Interesting, really? Yeah. Yeah. Because he's talking about stuff that makes no sense. Aren't we all, though, Father Yeah, but no, but he was like, he was talking about the way viruses work and what he was saying was incorrect. Oh, I didn't know you were a doctor now. Well, I was like, that doesn't sound right. And then I looked (laughs) it up and there was a bunch of comments that one guy was a doctor in the comments and saying this is not how viruses work. And he gave sources showing like from like real medical journals. Here's the point
0: of the story. Trust no (laughs) one. You don't have to be like a medical professional to have like reason and common sense and to know like enough how things work you know like i i think that's one of the victories of the past month is a greater um reliance on experts and not celebrities for like mm, information yeah. um like so dr burks and dr fauci are like the the corona celebrities and yeah. You know, I haven't heard from Scar jo in a while, or like Matt Damon, <laughs> which is like fine with me. You know, I don't care what they think. You Cardi know? B has been making videos about
1: coronavirus. What
0: does Cardi B say? I don't know. She was going on and on
1: about um, something. Or
0: like some kind of, some kind of noise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: Is it, it's yeah, like coronavirus oh, is oh, like or something oh, like that, oh, right? Ah, she's right. <laughs> But, I yeah, she was talking about something, and I was like, why are we listening to
0: her? Cut to Fauci. <laughs> Cut to Fauci. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but also, having taken logic class in the seminary was the other thing that helped me understand that what he was saying made no sense. Fauci has been a little more positive, too, I've, I've sensed. He hasn't been on the briefings the last few days, but some of the things he's saying— seems like all right maybe maybe
0: we will get through this one day the tone <laughs> is changing i'm detecting a a tone shift too
1: yeah i think they're they're onto something they're not telling us until they have it ready so whether that's antibody testing or you might be right about that i th- i think they're onto something cuz trump is excuse me i'm drinking kombucha that's why i'm uh, burping that's a good stuff which one is that
2: Gingerade
1: this
0: podcast yeah, the brought one. to you by kombucha God damn. <laughs> if only if you like weird fermented stuff i 'm on
1: day nine of whole thirty, and needless to say i 'm miserable oh
2: that's you know what justin i I, I was thinking about you man you should have you should have at least given it a week, you should have binged on Easter candy for at least a week and then did the whole thirty. <laughs> I just did it the day cuz you know I what? It. I just did it. so so like the last week we had all this Easter candy and I was just just eating my face off. And like after it was over I was like, you know what? I I could go for some whole 30 right now to like like re, <laughs> reset my body after this Easter week binge. That's that's what I think I would do next year. I'll tell you
1: this. I have a I the only difference I feel in my body is I'm more hungry. That's it. <laughs> Uh, no, I've had an uptick um, <laughs> because I have to rely on things that I know that I could get easy. So, like bread is something that's easy to get. So, and cold cuts you could get they're like prepackaged and stuff like that. So I've been eating more sandwiches than I normally do. And I had four slices of Sicilian pizza a few days ago. <laughs> Was that part of your great day? And then. <laughs> I took a nap and I woke up and I felt amazing. So I don't know about this whole 30 thing. <laughs> I, have not, I have not gone crazy with the Easter candy, though. I have remained w- w- uh, w- with some self-control. So that, that, is, that has happened. I, I, instead of I'm like, normally after Easter, I'd have like four cookies. But now I'm like, I'll only have one.
2: I don't think I've ever had <laughs> just one cookie. Yeah. God bless
1: you. So, Father Eric, you you're friends with Nolan, or and vice versa. What? Is, how do you guys know each other? how did you meet?
0: I had we had met at uh, St. Joseph's in New Paltz, one of our Capuchin parishes. Nolan, were you a senior at the time, or had you just graduated from St. New Paltz?
2: Actually, I think I was. I think I was only like a, a sophomore or a junior okay
0: you had the air of a man much older (laughs) okay
2: (laughs) possible um i um yeah i was uh i I was i'm pretty sure i was either a a, a sophomore or a junior um and i i helped out at the parish which you know uh, i I wasn't so involved in campus ministry i became more involved in the parish and um father eric at the time was uh the youth minister at the parish
0: yep and that was a great experience. That was my first experience in youth ministry at St. Joe's there. And, and we, that parish has been really blessed to have, a every year, a handful of uh, some of the young um, kids, uh, students from St. Joe's help out because that's, like, such a blessing. And it's kind of rare to have that age group, you know, early 20s in a parish these days in New York. Yeah, that's awesome.
2: play
1: So are you officially up
0: in New Paltz. I was going to say, are you from New Paltz, Father Eric? I'm not. I'm from the... The state of Maryland, originally.
1: Wow! Oh, nice.
0: Ah, Very cool. The first Catholic colony. It. Thank you for knowing that. that that's actually excellent. I'm always kind of reminded of that because here in uh, you know New England, New York, it's all you know, Puritanical foundations, but Maryland is the founded as a, a Catholic refugee haven
2: there. Yeah. Home, home of the Baltimore Catechism.
1: That's
0: right. <laughs> a lot of those early councils were in Baltimore.
1: So you're—we failed to mention that you're a Capuchin priest. What? How would you describe
0: that? Man, you, another hard question. Um, what's a podcast-friendly uh, format here? So the Francis- with the uh, with the Franciscan family, it's uh, it's really different than the Jesuit order or the Dominicans. There's only like one Jesuit order. There's one Dominican order. Um, the Franciscans are like a vast and dysfunctional family. <laughs> um, but I, and if you ask 100 friars, you'll get like 100 answers. But um, this is my perspective, which is accurate and true. Um, there are there is an um, three. Three groups are members of what's called the First Order of St. Francis. All of these groups have the letters O.F.M. In their their letters, the Capuchins, the Conventuals, and the OFM, nothing. Um, all of those groups can trace their leadership back to Saint Francis of Assisi. It's kind of like how you know Catholics and Orthodox can chase can trace their leadership back to the apostles. It's with with, with the Capuchins, the Conventuals, and the OFM. They can all trace their leadership back to St. Francis. And there's like, you know, thousands of other Franciscan groups um, that are all kind of kind of related, but only those three are part of what's called the First Order.
1: And where are you? Where is your monastery? Where's your residence? I live in Beacon, New York. Oh, okay, Awesome. Now, what what is a a day in the life of Father Eric
0: pre-coronavirus? pre Corona. Um it probably easier to give you like like kind of a week than a day. Um yeah. I, I do uh I'm currently the chaplain at Capuchin Youth and Family Ministries, which is our retreat center in Garrison. Um this is right across the river from the from West Point in the Hudson Valley. And uh, in a given week, we might have two or three uh days of retreats. We might have a weekend retreat. Or like a confirmation, like a one hour or a one uh, a one day, like you know four hour retreat for a parish or for a school. Um, between that, planning stuff, planning retreats. Um, I also am the supervisor for the Cap volunteer program, so I'm you know mentoring and and meeting with them on occasion. Um, yeah. Well, then then that's the ministry the uh you know the personal spiritual side is every morning we have together at our house morning and evening prayer um we make meals you know and uh it sounds kind of like i guess you know average when you talk about it but you know it's that that's the life of i think a lot of religious is you know prayer spirituality meals and ministry so how how would you
1: describe your your mission then it's, I mean, it sounds retreat-based, service-based.
0: Yeah, um, this particular ministry I'm at now um, is retreat ministry. The basic, I mean, I guess the the mission of our center is the mission of the the church at large to to become saints of ourselves and others and to give, it's focused on teens in particular. We do some middle school, some college, some young adult, but teens are kind of the majority of our retreats. Really to try and, help teens imagine themselves as saints right now. That's awesome. Hence why you and Nolan
2: get along so well. Absolutely. And that's that's something I actually, like, always admired uh, Father Eric about, like, especially now I can really appreciate it uh, working with youth ministers and knowing how tough it is to begin in youth ministry and just when you first get your feet wet. And um, I, Father Eric got, like, the... The key elements of youth ministry, the the relationship building and the um, and the uh, just loving everyone where they're at. Like he got that like immediately. And I mean, Father Eric, you were you were uh, what, like early 20s when you were a youth minister at the parish? I was I was
0: 20. I didn't advertise okay. that. I, I okay. grew a beer. <laughs> I grew a beard to try and like, you know, look a little older, but uh, I wasn't a whole lot older than them at the time.
2: But that program, like you're you're only a youth minister for a year, so you're assigned to a place for a year, which anyone who's done youth ministry knows, like um, how much like those things take time to build up and the rapport and the like. But it was almost like, you know, Father Eric, you know, at the time, like it just seemed like, like if you had said he he's been here for years, it would have like seemed that way because it just was such a natural fit and and just uh really again he got, he got the most important elements of youth ministry right away. Well,
0: thanks for saying that. I think that parish um had a lot of advantages being a Capuchin parish. Um something you know about uh our parishes, we do kind of seem to have a thicker um connection with our people than than I that I experienced at uh my home parish. There's something I I don't know how to describe it exactly, but um there's a, there's a unique kind of charism, I think that that happens between the people, at our at our parishes.
2: I, I sense like a more of a like we're all in this together, um, type of not that you not that you can't and don't see that in other parishes but I definitely have r- recognized that in a place like St. Joseph's where we were at
0: that's a great tattoo slogan all in this together <laughs> <laughs> i've heard i've
2: heard that a lot on all the commercials all the, every commercial
1: on tv now that's what it is we're all in this together yeah, but those are those are from celebrities and we're like all right you go back <laughs> to your mansion and, yeah. yeah we're all in this together buddy
0: it's like, it's like as if there's another way to be in this you know? Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna be in this over here. <laughs> you, you go over there. Well,
1: they had some kind of Disney sing-along recently, and it was all these famous people singing Disney songs in their rich, like. Huge mansions with all these costume changes and all this other stuff, and I was like, "This doesn't make me feel better. I'd rather just watch that movie and sing along than watch a <laughs> bunch of people sing these songs that aren't singing them as good as the originals." Or
2: like getting super jealous over Nancy Pelosi's ice cream collection,
1: <laughs> Jenny's. She had Jenny's. I don't even know what is that is. Best. Really? I want to try yeah, it. That's in Nashville. No, Lynn, it's, it's the best. It's, there's, I think it's based in Ohio, but there are a lot of locations in Nashville and. Oh man, it's the best ice cream. I I 2 years ago on uh Fat Tuesday, I ate a pint of Jenny's for lunch before Lent started. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm talking. That's how good I it, they shipped it from wherever they ship it from. Now now after this uh quarantine you're gonna turn into a carb with all the bread <laughs> i'm not eating like my weight in bread but I'm, i eat more bread now than i did before yeah, just, i didn't eat a lot of bread before now four I eat sicilian more. slices of pizza that, that was, was an fun. exception because i was like you know what why not you know what i'm having a great day
0: <laughs> yeah i think bread's gotten a bad rap the past couple years um i'm a, I'm a bread apologist i love bread <laughs> yeah
2: i do too
1: like, so, I, Bread's the best. If there's Everything not, in moderation, except for sin.
2: Like, think about this. Anything, like, if there's, like, really, like, not a lot to eat for, like, lunch, like, but there's, like, a loaf of bread, like, I, I could be pretty happy with that. There's, <laughs> there's not a lot of other stuff that doesn't comprise an entire meal that I could be satisfied with. But a bread. What I about could. a bagel? You're trying, to, you're trying to make me out to be a bagel kid, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, you are a I'm bagel kid. I'm not going kid. there. Shut up, bagel kid. <laughs> Father, Father Eric, no disrespect if you're a bagel kid.
1: Bagel kids, just in case you don't have, don't know what we're talking about. Bagel kids are the kids that would come to school with a bagel or would get a bagel and buy a bagel at lunchtime in school, and that's what they would have for lunch every day. That's a bagel, like, kid. consistent every bagel. Day. Yeah,
0: I understand. Was is it was it like a? ethnic relation thing was it related to like a person's ancestry or like their family no or?
1: it's just it was always like those kids that there was a handful of kids that every day had a bagel and cream cheese or a bagel with butter for lunch and i always felt like being coming coming from an italian family where sometimes i'd have like very uh, elaborate sandwiches or you know leftover pasta or whatever it may be that those parents didn't love those kids <laughs>
0: Here's a lender. Hit the road. (laughs) (laughs) We once
1: made a fake claim that Nolan was a bagel kid, but he denies it. To my grave. And and if you could summarize this podcast in two words, it would be bagel kids. (laughs) (laughs) So, Father, you, after your year of ministry, is that when you entered? Or was there kind of
0: a discernment period? I had a... So prior to being at St. Joe's in New Paltz, I had uh, been a cadet at West Point for two years, right across the oh, river wow. from where where I now work. So this is like the next the Hudson Valley is like the nexus of my life. <laughs> um, and so I was I was 18 years old. This is right before 9/11. I was a, I was a, entered the uh, the academy, and so that September, um, you know everything like the whole world changed. You know, and the vision of the military mission you know kind of uh, change too and um, it it gave me a lot of pause you know being 18 years old I hadn't you know really being a teenager and uh, lacking all introspection hadn't thought a whole lot about you know the future and stuff for myself and at the same time I got a hold of um, some biographies of St. Francis of Assisi in particular the ones by Julian Green Jorgensen and Chesterton and I, I inhaled those. I read those in like rapid succession um, and I think you guys have probably had these moments too where the experience of a saint maps on very closely to your life um, in the Gospels as well but I think for me St. Francis was kind of my uh, like map and he himself as you probably know had wanted to be a soldier had failed, he sucked, got captured the first day, um, and then you know, with the Lord kind of found uh, a new path to his, his sanctity. And uh, th- that's really what I was kind of um, in the midst of two, 18, 19. And then I made a retreat at CYFM. And uh, that, that was like the right time for me to go on a retreat, 19 years old, starting to have some, some spiritual awakenings. I was always, you know, Catholic and had a, a good upbringing in the faith. But you know, in, in some ways, it was uh, more knowledge than experience and actions. And so, I guess that's what young adulthood's about. You know, kind of taking what you know intellectually, and you know, putting it into to practice and knowing it deeper. So, uh, yeah, between going on a couple of retreats at CYFM, I started working there. Left the academy. I had a Mormon roommate, and and this is why I will never make fun of Mormons, I'm a Mormon apologist whenever somebody does because he was a great guy, the one Mormon I know, Michael Hill was a great guy, we had great talks about faith and all these things and I learned, and I was inspired by this um, every practicing Mormon does a. I think it's a two year mission when they're like 20 or 21 and so Michael explained to me, I'm getting ready to go on my two year mission to wherever the their church sends them and I was like, man, that's a great idea. Um, I kind of want to give like my prime to uh, to the church, and you know, give something. You know, the, of these formative years. So I I ended up leaving the academy with the possibility of returning a year later. And I was a, a volunteer for for CYFM. Um that's how I met the Capuchins. That's how I became close with them, and ended up. Uh, let's see, I guess six years later, joining the order.
1: Oh wow. So what what
0: what happened, but
1: in in that six years, or there, Nolan had mentioned like a Nolan. You you could probably ask the yeah, Father
2: Eric. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you do some kind of pilgrimage, some kind of like journey? I remember you staying at different different places around the country.
0: Yeah, calling it a pilgrimage is very generous. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I um. I, I was 20, I guess I was 21 at that time after finishing my core year. And uh, I, I applied to a couple of colleges because I I'd only finished two years um, at West Point. and And uh, I wasn't feeling it, you know. I was like, you know, I, I can go back, you know, whenever, a year or so. But uh, I had finished my year, and I had really focused on that year and hadn't really um, thought much about, like, a lot of my peers were going to grad school or you know, taking jobs, teaching things like that in ministry, and I just uh, hadn't, I hadn't hadn't done that, and so I said I'm just gonna like take three months, maybe till Christmas. At that point, it was like um, July, so I guess June, July. like whatever the summer was, the summer into fall, and just like travel, and uh, I did that in an unconventional way. I kind of just this is right after not 9/11, so it wasn't as easy, but I hitchhiked, I hopped some trains, I had a bus pass, um, and I, I sent, like, some of the, um, some of the leaders from our youth group, like, little, like, uh, postcards, and one was, like, you know, one was, like, New York, the next day was, like, you know, Ohio, I was all over the place, and I had stayed at different monasteries and friaries, I had never known, uh, a non, um, a religious priest. I, I had known only the uh, Austin clergy until that year, and I was like, "Whoa, this is a whole world!" So I was really curious to explore um, religious life. So I visited, like, you know, uh, let's see, um, the Camaldolese in Big Sur, different Franciscan communities, um, Benedictines in Vermont. Lovely groups, all kind. It was a real blessing, and I, I pray. I started praying for real, and I journaled like crazy in that time. Um, this is before the advent of, like, the Kindle and the smartphone. So I would, like, traipse around, like, a hundred pounds of books with me in, like, a big old backpack, you know? Um, yeah. So that That's that, awesome. that was, like, a formative—it it was a, a kind of a pilgrimage, you know? I didn't think of it in terms of that, but um, that gives me a new way to view it. And, uh, yeah, that did clarify for me, like, I think the Lord is calling me to something— I was, at the time, 21. I didn't feel any urgency. I finished at the University of Scranton. Uh, later on, that I transferred to Scranton. And, um, yeah, about, I guess, a year after I finished there, I, I joined the order. Awesome. That's awesome. Do you have any wild travel stories during that time? Um, wild travel stories. Well, it wasn't like, hunter s thompson or anything it wasn't like uh jack Kerouac. <laughs> monasteries aren't like the wildest place but i i did like um there are things i did in that span i would never do now
1: um yeah like when you said you hitchhiked i was like i, I would never do that
0: it takes a special kind of stupid at, at 21 years <laughs> old um I, I it was it was i put myself in some situations that uh I would not uh, advise other people to do. I would just, like, I had a tent. At the time, I was really into hiking and backpacking, so I had, like, a kind of a small sleeping bag and, like, a little tent that I was carrying. Um, Also, I think my lack of fitness at this point in my life also would prohibit this. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I would just, like, hike and hitchhike, and wherever they drop me off, I would just, like, find a wooded area and, and sleep there for you know, a night, and then kind of carry on to the next place. I had a loose kind of map of where I wanted to go, and I had contacted these different um, religious communities ahead of time, and I gave them, like, a rough date, rough, uh, you know, like, I'll be there between Tuesday and Friday, you know?
1: Um, (laughs) That's good, yeah. That seems like a good landmark to hit.
0: Yeah, so this is the first thing that comes to my head, not like a wild story, I was terrified one night. Um I was in um jeez begins with A I one of those uh one of those states Ohio I think or Iowa or no it was Missouri it was Missouri I'm wrong and I was sleeping like behind a barn that I was just kind of passing through in uh in Missouri and I woke up and there were like four deer's all like, kind of like walking back and forth right around me. And my knowledge of deer assaults was very slim at the time, but I was very scared these deers were going to hurt me. So that's about as wild as I got.
1: (laughs) I heard... None of that story, so I look forward to listening to it when I
2: edit this. All
1: I heard was deer assault, and I'm like, alright, now, now I have to listen to
2: the episode to hear the story. Yeah, that's confir- all the confirmation you need that we, that we got a story there. Oh, deer assault.
0: Yeah,
1: like, I heard deer assault, so I'm like, I didn't hear anything else,
2: but I'm
0: sold. I'm in. You had me at deer assault. Sorry, guys. It's probably on my end. I have had the... Like my personal life, my internet's unstable. <laughs> <laughs>
1: What, what are some things that you, you guys are doing recreationally during this quarantine time as a... Be, I don't know how good the follow-up to that was. I just, it, it, what are some of the things
0: the order is doing at, at recreationally? So I'm a big, big board game guy. I, I love board games. Um, so, so Father Fred, he lives here with me. Um, he's also a chaplain at CYFM. I got in fact, if you give me one minute, I'll show you I got them right here next to me
1: give you some recommendations. we we need uh we need things to start passing the time as well. I do have several puzzles that uh I haven't cracked open yet. <laughs> I've got a puzzle for you. How much do you miss cheese right now? <laughs> <laughs> a lot I watched a video on how to make it
0: so even in like young adult ministry, I think board games are so great you can you can learn a lot about someone based on like how they play board games and things. Oh yeah. That's so cool. anything like catholic themed I love. So this is my first it's a two player game. This is called Avignon Clash of Popes. <laughs> 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 this is like it's like a two player card game. It's uh it's kind of cool. There's like different cards you move around. Um this is the follow up Avignon Pilgrimage. <laughs> um this is a fun game if you have like an engineering math kind of brain called on the dot this one's cool because you have like transparencies you get like a pattern on one card and then you have these transparency cards and you gotta like manipulate them until they reflect that pattern so i just think it's a clever kind of game this is a good one too rook you know we we pray, we, we eat, we play some games. Um, like yourselves, I'm like on Zoom pretty much every day for at least an hour, either checking in with my team at a meeting. I've been going to seminars too, um, you know. So I'm learning a lot. My, uh, my Zoom skills have increased in the past. Uh, <laughs> and there are some things I kind of want to keep going, like post, post-corona like what one of the things that we're doing now that we've never been able to really do before or never even had like I guess the the bandwidth for it is we do weekly young adult faith support groups we have a couple like counselors and therapists in our community and um every week at let's see the the, the Monday is young adults Thursday is adults we check in every week and it's just it's like 40 minutes everyone you know shares a little bit about what's going on Usually we start and end with the gospel from the previous Sunday and we end with the gospel from next coming up next Sunday to kinda give it like a you know, our faith anchor. And it's it's short where everyone checks in, we pray together, we get some updates. And we've never had anything like that where like at a parish you get like weekly check ins. Mm -hmm. Like those fifteen minutes before and after mass are like the most valuable time for catching up with people. At a retreat center, you know, we have maybe two retreats a month that we might see people. So that's one thing I think we should keep going. We should continue on. Yeah. Because we're not a parish. We don't have, like, weekly follow-up with people. But this thing's kind of given us a weekly way to keep in touch with our people.
2: Yeah, I'm thinking of myself with, uh, like, the youth ministers. Um, You know, there's... We have we have like we we've always tried to do uh, networking meetings and um, just finding that perfect date and time for everybody to meet together is so hard, especially when you think of how many youth ministers there are on Long Island, or I should say parishes, youth ministry contacts, um, in all those parishes, but also like. You know, even if you even if you split up like half the island, or even in three ways, you'll never get a perfect night and day and time for everybody. But you increase your likelihood so much more of everybody being free and available if you if you just do Zoom Zoom meetings. And those are things that you can do, especially if they're check-ins, if they're like thirty to forty minutes. You can do a couple times a week. So I think I will continue with that aspect. Uh, beyond that,
0: there is something that um, I think has been my greatest, uh, like loss in the past month. Um, and I'm kind of curious if maybe you guys feel similarly. Um, I feel like my empathetic sense has decreased in the past month. Um, by that, I mean, when I was, you know, doing funerals, hospital visits, um, confessions regularly, I I feel like I had like a a real empathetic um, sense. And uh, I I do feel like that's atrophying a little bit. And I'm looking forward to, you know, regaining that. And because I think that is like the number one most essential quality for a minister is empathy. Um, And and I I do feel that's one of the losses that I'm experiencing is I, I feel like my empathy is sort of. Um, atrophying and waning a little bit. What do you think Father Sean? Well, from that's how the whole year has been for me
1: because I I was asked to be the vocation director. So not having parish ministry um that kind of stuff is are those things that I've I've noticed. I I started keeping a list on uh like the the last time I did a funeral, the last time I did a wake, the last time I anointed someone and these kind of things because um I don't get those opportunities as much as I did in the past. And now for a lot of the empathetic type of stuff that you're mentioning, most of the ones that I've done within the last year have been for people that I know personally or family members. Right. So it's like an odd kind of place to be in. And so it in, uh, I guess during all of this, seeing my, my brother priests and, and, and my friends who are in parishes and pastors and stuff who have been doing these things throughout the year. And then it stopped. It's almost like, um, uh, I would say my empathy for them has gone up because it's like, I know how they feel. Uh, so it's like this kind of sense of like, I could unite this part of myself with them in prayer because I know how, um, or I guess that's sympathy, right? When you know how that person feels, but, um, so it's been like a weird experience that in a certain sense not a lot of things as far as public ministry um like as like priestly ministry like confessions mass in public um you know funerals wakes all these kind of things a lot of that hasn't changed too much for me because of this because I, those things weren't happening as much in the past but it's all the 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 ministry related events that um I had scheduled and planned those things that kind of give you like a shot in the arm that have disappeared now uh, that that's where I feel uh, the loss the most. Right. All of the events that I've had planned it in March, April, probably May and possibly June and July will all be canceled. And then I'll go to a schedule where I now have to plan. So it's that's like been the weirdest thing uh, for me, and I'm really looking forward to just doing like you know uh, a youth holy hour or or anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> anything with people involved. Anything anything with people involved, which is what was driving me crazy before. So that's the thing that's getting to me the most uh, now. It's true. Well, hopefully, hopefully soon.
2: On on the, other, on, uh, on the other end of the spectrum, you know, we had talked about, like, things are, like, maybe looking a little more hopeful. Like, maybe we'll, like, restrictions will start to be lifted. Did you guys hear that uh, World Youth Day 2022 has officially been made World Youth Day 2023? Really? Yeah. yeah. Lisbon is not happening until 2023.
1: Wow. And then the, uh, what, the family meeting, what, what, what's the official name for it again?
2: Uh, World Meeting of Families. World Meeting of Families is also pushed back a year. That's also been bumped up, yeah. So that's now 2022. Yeah.
1: I guess that's why they did it that way. Because I was going to say 2022 is pretty far away. But if they're moving one up, I guess that's how they're going to have to move the other one I, up.
2: I guess that's what it is, yeah. But yeah. it does. When you look at it just the World Youth Day, it sounds like, oh my gosh, we better be up and running by 2023. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, I... the,
1: the fear of having to go to World Youth Day. It's very high for me. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. It gives you one more year to prepare yourself, Father Sean.
0: <laughs> have you ever been, Father Eric? I have not. Um, I'd like to go. No real, like, reason why I haven't. It, I, I know it's just so much prep. You know, there's tons of prep. And um, my understanding is, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong here, The the church youth is, like, a little more, like, 20s 30s then we think of like youth ministry as like high school it's more like 20s 30s is that correct uh, those who have been
2: I would say that it's I would say that the World Youth Day has been a a much uh, more general age range like you know youth and young adults would would fill that whole thing and I would say in the in the recent years World Youth Day has even become more about young adults than than what we would consider youth would you agree with that Father Sean
1: Yes. I Having gone to the last one and then one, two before that, there is a significant like in the people that I know, like from our diocese, the vast majority of the people who go are in high school. Um, but looking at the people who were there from other parts of the world, the majority tend to be college and older. Mm-hmm. And I think that. If I were going to bring a group in an ideal world, the group that I would want to bring would be. What we would consider young adults, agreed. Um, because I think that they're a little bit more receptive to everything. Because the, the 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 thing that makes World Youth Day so hard is um, that 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 night that we like sleep outside. Um, not that I'm above sleeping outside. It's just the. Uh, when you're looking out for other people's safety, and then you're starting to get like you know tired and and stressed, then it's like I have to keep a brave face on and and not get angry. It's like we had an incident when we went. Nolan can attest to this. The last time we were there together, uh, where there was one person in particular that was causing a lot of trouble. And at a certain point, just say their the name. Mo- <laughs> What'd you say? Say their name. It's okay. He, his name may or may not be the same as the first pope. Um, <laughs> I mean, it may or may not be. It may or may not be. Um, <laughs> he he was kind of, uh, or she was kind of, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, causing a little bit of trouble. And one of the other priests that I was with, I won't say his name, um, got but it may very or may upset. Not be. <laughs> What'd you say? but it may or may not be. (laughs) He may or may not have been on this podcast once before. Um, But he got very upset and and rightfully so. He wasn't like, he wasn't mean. He didn't snap, but he got very stern. And it was like one of those moments where it's like, we've now been walking for about eight or nine miles and we have no idea where we're going to get food. And it's, I can, like, if it was just me. I would have been fine not eating that night. And I really didn't eat because the things that they had in there were not things that I um, <laughs> wanted to eat necessarily. Uh, some of it was bread, Justin, just so you know. Pumpernickel. Uh, ooh, um, I would have been but, screwed if I was on Whole30. <laughs> Gosh, we had I miss bread. 40 kids. We had 40 kids with us that needed to eat. And I was like, we have to find food for them. So I was starting to get frustrated at that point. Um, and then it was like one of those things where I just fell asleep and this one lovely woman who was with us, who's Polish woke me up and said, can you believe that we're in Poland right now? And I'm like, this is,
2: this is going to be a very long night. And then the wait, French. Wait, we're where? People... where? <laughs> wait, wait, we've only been here seven days. You you were like, I can believe we are anywhere right now because of my <laughs> You could have told me I was on the moon. <laughs> Well, Father no. Eric, let me say, there's a certain vocations director I know who may be very open to having someone take his place in World Youth Day.
1: 2023, of course. <laughs> yeah, you have three years to mentally prepare yourself, Father Eric.
0: Yeah, maybe when 2022 rolls around, we'll we'll talk terms there, I guess. <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe in person and not in Zoom.
0: One can only hope. A lot of... um. The volunteers I work with, you know, the young adults have been, and for them, they they said it's just a big uh, spiritual boost to see what like a billion people praying together. Yeah,
1: it's
2: really cool. Yeah, it is cool.
0: That that really
2: is the best part about it is just the seeing is.
0: It's not like
2: you can do more with a with a really awesome retreat or with I would say like, um, you know, even like a Steubenville conference or something along those lines, probably would mean more spiritually but um that's probably not even the right word but the what makes world youth day special is is all is really just all the people and the wonder and awe of it there's truly like nothing like it there's there's really nothing like an entire city being taken over by young catholics and and, that, and that's filled really with fervor really. it's just chaos too which is it is. You never know what's going to
1: happen. Every Like, we, well, the last time we were there together, we waited three hours for KFC in Poland. Yeah. And it ended up being great because we got all this food because we had to use all of our vouchers because they would expire at the end of the day. Right. And then a bunch of people, like, didn't get to get food. So we were able to share with them. And it was a very, like, you know multiplication of the loaves and fish kind of moment
2: multiplication of the wings and uh thighs <laughs> <laughs> but it is it's those little stories right that really make it those little uh those little moments random moments of like giving people uh some extra chicken
1: yeah I mean, we're talking to father eric here he was almost assaulted by a deer for all we know so <laughs> sleep sleeping outside for him that'll be nothing it's, 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 it's like one of those things where all if I if you were to tell me that I was going to go to World Youth Day with like us four, then I'd be like, it would be great. But when you have to watch out for people, it makes it so much harder. And yeah. someone's That's always going to
0: lose their passport. Someone's always going to yeah. like leave their bag back at the, the hostel. There's always going to be a couple knuckleheads who like right. change the entire day for you. And every day someone else is crying. About something. And it can range from,
1: like, this poor person broke their foot to uh, this person, like, you know, uh, was upset because the internet on the bus wasn't working. Right. So there's, then you have those range of emotions. You're now describing a day in the life of Tor, basically. People crying, (laughs) complaining about the internet, and losing things. So.
2: I, I'm ready I would, for it. I would actually say, like, uh, most of the time, I think, like, people, when they cry in World Youth they or when they're really upset, they have good reason to. And it's like you kind of – it makes it worse because you want to cry with them and you want to be like, – <laughs> Yeah, but you can't. But you can't because yeah. you're supposed to be the leader and you have to put on, like, a brave face and be like, oh, no, this – you know, the, the fact that we all, you know, have uh, – you know, of heat rash and like you know, we're all sweating and we we've been walking for you know thirty miles and uh we are yeah uh, shoes up. It's great. It's <laughs> part of the experience and it's like in your and you've had yeah. to pee for the last four hours. Yes. Stop crying. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, one of my favorite moments when we went was one girl got like sick, and she was very upset and she was crying. She was I think she was dehydrated. Yeah. And then another girl started crying. I was like, oh, no, what's wrong with her? And one of the other chaperones was like, she, has a, she just has a case of being dramatic. And I was like, that was hysterical. <laughs> and I was like, I'm glad you said that. And now you know the symptoms of that. Yeah. but So now we all have this common experience of coronavirus. That when we do things like World Youth Day in the future, we can say, remember when we were quarantined? Isn't it so nice to be able to be outside and walk for six hours? <laughs> yeah. So that's that's all of your ammo, Nolan. That's when right. you do it, that's right. You, you could uh, say twenty twenty three. You know, three years ago, we we weren't allowed <laughs> to do this. So we, count your blessings. When
2: we're sleeping out in a field and next to some guy with bo, can we, just think about it. You could be all by yourself <laughs> in your house quarantined right now. It's social distancing. <laughs> social distancing. <laughs> oh,
0: so man.
1: the the last thing I'll I'll ask to to bring some. Religion into this. I'm not sure if you preached Sunday, Father Eric, for Divine Mercy Sunday or not. Did you? Did you have a homily? I did. What? What are your? Uh, how would you summarize your homily for everyone listening?
0: I talked. I spoke directly to all the Thomases out there, um, <laughs> and I apologized on behalf of the Universal Church for any time someone's called them doubting Thomas. Um, <laughs> Because it's not really the quality that, that, he, that... That's not his, like, defining modifier. You know, he's the one who says, my Lord and my God. He's the one who sticks around for a week when everyone else is, like, overjoyed. And he's like, well, I wasn't there. I was isolating, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and he might have been doing their grocery shopping. Like, we don't know why he wasn't there. But he's not doubting. I mean, he... They've had an experience he didn't have. And so he's not any like more doubting than anybody else. Um, but the fact that he sticks around, that to me says something. That, that he stuck around for a week despite not having that experience. And that's how I think. So he had a delayed Easter. Yeah. Um, and and that, that that's how I feel. Maybe that's how you feel. Um, I believe... The lord is risen i believe the tomb is empty there is something in easter that i am not experiencing now um and and like saint thomas um i am sticking around and everyone's sticking around as best we can um, because we know that the lord will fulfill his promises and when that comes we can place our experience into the body of christ that is good, and there's the homily, the <laughs> ladies
1: and gentlemen. There's the homily, well, Father
0: Sean. You know that you 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 cannot screw up these Easter readings. No, they're all perfect. You, yeah, you have to really try to screw up the Easter readings. <laughs> <laughs> they're so they're, it's a fat pitch every day. Yeah, yeah,
1: and there's oh, and there's so much in there that all you have to do is pick one good thing and run with it, and you're fine. It's rich. Um, so when we were in Poland for World Youth Day at the Divine Mercy Shrine, there was this priest there who was like, "I wrote my thesis." He was from Ireland. He's like, "I wrote my thesis on this and blah 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 blah." He's going on and on. And in my heart, I'm like, "I don't really care." And I was the one celebrating the mass. And I'm like, "This is nice." And I and I love you know the idea of mercy and all of this stuff is good. And you know, uh, I was like, so I, then I asked him, "Do you, do you want to celebrate mass?" And he goes, "That would be amazing." <laughs> But there was another another priest was preaching. And then I had to go up to him and be like, and he was really excited to talk about divine mercy. So I went up to him and I said, I just told that priest he could celebrate Mass because he was like super excited. And he goes, I guess I should let him preach. And I was like, I'm not going to tell you what to do. You can work that out with him. And then the guy preached for like 30 minutes and it was great. And it was right after, um, right after... Uh, We had that night where we camped out and everything that I was talking about before. And as he was preaching, I realized like how mad I was at at a a few things that had happened like that day and and the day before. And I was like, even though I went to confession right before I went on the pilgrimage, I was like, I need I feel like I need to go to confession and I feel like I need to go to this priest. And right after it was over, because he preached so long, we were told we have to get back on the buses. So then I'm running to get back on the bus and then we're told we have 30 minutes and I'm like, well, now I missed my opportunity to go to this guy. God put this on my heart and I don't know what to do. And I'm walking around in the bookstore and the English books are in the corner right by where everyone's lined up to buy stuff. So I'm like, I'm not going to look for anything here. And I'm kind of like hanging out and I see Nolan. I'm like, I'm just I'm going back to the bus because I knew I couldn't wait online for confession because we didn't have that much time. So I said, God, I feel bad. If you want this to happen, you have to make it happen. And as I start walking out of the bookstore, that priest walks in. And I looked at him and I was like, can you hear my confession? And I make sure I slipped in there. We only have five minutes, so don't, like, give me a lot of advice. Just kind (laughs) of, you know, I'm sorry. sorry. (laughs) Because I don't know. He's preached for 30 minutes. I didn't know if his confession would be 30 minutes, too. We went, like, across the street. And I, you know, I basically just said what I said now. I haven't felt very merciful. There were a few people that I've been frustrated with the last couple of days or whatever. And and his penance was pray for this priest who was dying, like saying our father for this priest that he knew that was dying. And maybe that's why God wanted me uh, to 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 do that. But that's when I think of divine mercy. That's always the thing that I think of. And I have that story for the rest of my life to to kind of connect with the divine mercy People, um, whenever I get to preach a divine mercy homily again, maybe twenty twenty three. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. (laughs) Well, Father Eric, thank you for joining us.
0: That was this is my first podcast as a as a special guest. Um, I was looking forward to it. I think it's just important that people hear Catholics uh, being normal and trying to you know do the best they can and um yeah so i'm grateful for this ministry and i would love to come back whenever
1: yeah oh, you that'd and, be great you you and 30 other people are grateful for this ministry <laughs> <laughs> we we we're, we're uh, we, we need a few more people to listen but hey if if it's serving 30 people then it's serving 30 people
0: yeah, like you said in your your previous podcast, I did a little homework too. Well, yeah. There I
1: mean, hold on, Father. You might be our only guest that has ever listened to the podcast. I
0: subscribed. So Nolan and I talked about a year ago yeah. uh, about ministry stuff, and you told me about it. I subscribed. Didn't get any new podcasts until like two weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> that is an accurate description of what happened. But you know what? Don't, don't, don't be regular. Keep them guessing. Keep yeah. them guessing.
2: That's right. It's all in God's tongue. I planted the seed last year, and now you're seeing the fruit of that.
0: I would suggest you dole out your podcast like a withholding 50s father. <laughs> <laughs> Every two months, a- give him an attaboy. boy) <laughs> <laughs>
1: Just when they seemed so desperate that they can't move on. Here's another episode of the Untitled Catholic Podcast.
0: You can make this one three episodes. (laughs) We
1: got to cash in while we're all uh, locked in. That's right. That's right. Well,
2: Nolan, you have anything else to add? No, I don't. This uh, This, this was a lot of fun. This was a great episode.
1: (laughs) Well, we will definitely have you back, Father Eric. And as always, Father Sean, God bless everyone who listened to this podcast.
0: You've been listening to the Untitled Catholic Podcast. See you next time. Dear Assaults,